You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're looking at two more episodes of the 1975 Invisible Man series. This time episodes 10 and 11. Uh, assuming you count the pilot movie as an episode. Just, don't ask. It's anyway, it's, it's the Clay Dynasty and Sight Unseen. And we will start with the Clay Dynasty. The Clay family are coming to the Clay Corporation, and security is at its tightest, for a credible kidnapping threat has been leveled against Carolyn Clay, one of the owners. The Clay Corporation is a privately owned corporation with only three stockholders, siblings Carolyn, Morgan, and Julian. Carolyn and Morgan have differing opinions on how to run the corporation. Carolyn favors peaceful research projects that can benefit mankind. Morgan favors lucrative military weapons contracts. Julian is a spineless playboy who just wants to live his life of leisure drinking. Carolyn's ramrod personality dominates Julian, making her the controlling partner of the corporation. Carolyn is holding a planetary commission conference at the corporation's headquarters. She is bringing together the finest minds in the world to map out public policies on the economy, energy, and the environment. Morgan, who is against the whole ridiculous idea of making the world a better place, has come along anyway to make sure security is tight. He coordinates with Captain Scopes, longtime head of security for the Clay Corporation and guest artist we've never seen previously on the series. It turns out that, owing to the ironclad security contracts, the Clay family do not know what the Clay resource is. However, Morgan and Scopes demand control of it as a way to protect Caroline. Walter and the Westons refuse to reveal what it is and come perilously close to being unemployed. While demonstrating the nuclear reactor rods that are disguised as the floors in the corporate theater, Carolyn is kidnapped by the caterers. Dan, invisible, has a white-knuckle ride clinging to the back of the kidnapper's van, keeping with them until the transfer to a helicopter. Dan realizes something is amiss and believes the so-called kidnap woman is a decoy and that Carolyn Clay is being held at the corporation headquarters. When he returns, his absence is noted by Scopes and not adequately explained. Scopes is suspicious, and when Dan's fingerprints are found on the back of the kidnapper's vehicle, he comes under suspicion. Dan, having gone invisible to search the buildings, appears to have done a runner, further increasing suspicion. With no kidnapper's demands having been made, Morgan is convinced Carolyn has been killed and pressures his spineless brother to relinquish control of the corporation to him. Of course, Dan discovers that Morgan and Scopes are the actual organizers of the kidnapping and that Carolyn is being held in the nuclear reactor under the theater. Without protection, she will be fatally irradiated by morning. Dan gets her out, and Morgan is uncovered as the baddie. The end. Well, the Clay Dynasty. We, we learned some fascinating facts about the Clay Corporation that heretofore we had no clue about. Yep. I think... I think they uh, they bought a uh, community college. <laughs> that does look a lot like a community yep. college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we did get to see a little bit more of the... Gr- I'm not sure about the grounds, but certainly the inside 
sure looked like a college. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, especially the the uh, the theater, which I'm sure we'll come back to. Uh, <laughs> yes, more than likely. More than likely, we will come back to it shortly. As soon as uh, as soon as I saw the actor playing Captain Scopes, um, y- you knew he was the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think he plays good guys. Well, Battlestar Galactica, he played Doctor um, uh, Wilker or Salik. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, so I guess he played one good guy. Grumpy good guy. Yeah, grumpy Very good grumpy guy. good guy. Right. But, uh, yes, the fact that we have heretofore never even heard of a security force at the Clay Corporation, or a captain, anyway. I always thought security. it was Dan. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, well, they had him in the pilot, but they had a bunch of thugs, anyway, in uniforms. But we never really saw, like, a boss, so... Um, yeah, and of course, as soon as I heard the uh, the 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 other villain Morgan ranting on about how this is such a stupid idea, mm-hmm. it's like, oh boy, that's not saving the world's yeah. a dumb idea. Got mm-hmm. it. Think I know where your sympathies lie. Yep, war may be hell, but it pays the bills. It I pays think that's the bills his, uh, big time. That's and I think too. I think that's you know my biggest gripe about this. I mean, I it was all right. I mean, again. We are we are definitely talking about a show that is sci-fi and name only. Yeah. The Clay Corporation obviously has done weapons contracts in the past. That was the whole problem with the pilot. Oh, sure. Disintegration beams. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the fact that the military were funding Dan's research all mm-hmm. along. Yep. Unbeknownst to him. So the fact that now, you know, the Clay Research is this, ben- resource, not resource, the corporation is this benign organization that only works towards the goals of goodness and niceness, as Maxwell Smart would have <laughs> said, is a little bit of a U-turn for what we know the Clay Corporation to be. And, and it's also interesting that the Clay family do not know what the Clay Resource is. Well, I wouldn't tell them. Jeez. I mean, well, admittedly, they seem like a bunch of idiots, um, exactly. by and I think, large. I think Walter figured that one out pretty early. It's like, whoop, okay, we're not going to tell the boss what this is. But it's kind of hard for the executive director to maintain a secret from the board of directors. That is not, yeah. not appropriate corporate governance. Yeah, well. And so the fact that he's gone out and made contracts that are so secret in the board of directors can I mean, I can understand why you would, why, I, I, who knows? Maybe this, hmm. maybe they maybe deal if you have with... a government contract, it does work that way because how is yeah. the board of directors vetted? Do right, they all exactly. have to have security six clearance or? Right. And maybe, you know, that's just common that they have dealt in the past with uh, military contracts that are of such high security that, uh, you know, need to know basis. Exactly. They're, you know, black projects from Congress, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, okay, the military wants $6 billion again. What are they making? Oh, they can't tell us? Yeah. As long as they make it in my state, I'm going to rubber stamp this. Yeah. Yep. It could be. It could be. I don't know. So, um, the theater. Yes, the theater. The theater. The theater that that somehow the control rods for a nuclear reactor. What, oh, boy. What the what the hell were they going for there? I don't even understand that that yeah. whole bit. Yeah. Um, 
I think what it was is that whoever did the scouting for the location, they found the theater and they found out that it had uh, adjustable flooring, you know, for making it modifiable uh, because, you know, you need that in a theater and thought, hey, wouldn't this be cool? And then they you know, said, hey, maybe we can just you know, call this a, uh, a control rod and we don't have to go find uh, some school that will let us shoot at their reactor facility. Save us lots of money. Do you, I mean, I've never seen a theater with a floor that has a, a little pedestal that rises up like that that's not part of the stage. Right. It would have been one of many. But I suppose it could be for lighting or something? That No, no. It'd be part of the stage. You know, it, it was probably configured for, uh, you know, um, in the round. And then if you wanted to have a, a thrust stage, you just raise the center portion and, you know, bring it back towards where the proscenium arches, you know, where the performers would normally be standing. So you can make it variable. The argument... the, the, the dis- Or that's where they put the organ in the, in the orchestra pit. Hmm. The explanation in the episode, for those of you who don't bother to watch it... <laughs> Good for you. Is, is, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> is that uh, we don't use the theater much. So, for good reason. <laughs> And it happens to be on top of the uh, the nuclear reactor we have downstairs. So sixty feet of concrete, though. So we we have a we have somehow turned it into the area where we can raise the fuel rods. Um, oh boy, that is just wrong in so many ways. <laughs> Holy cow! I just I was wow. I had to, I had to stop and, and watching con- and just like, you know. <laughs> And the control box for the whole thing is in a particle board box sitting out in the hallway with a lock on it. In the hallway, yes. In the hallway, yep. Not, not yeah. in the nuclear reactor. No, no, you wouldn't like, <laughs> they put might it be downstairs the... in the control room. No, 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 you would not do that. You would definitely, definitely put it in, right. the, Jeez. in the hallway. I mean, what happens when they want to like fire up the reactor? You know, the in if somebody's actually like in the theater, they're gonna see all the floor panels starting to rise. It's like, oh, what well, the no, hell's no, going no, on here? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So You pull the control rods out, out to increase the reaction. So they pull the control rod out. So that means that control rod is A sixty feet long. Yeah. Yeah. And and only six foot of it is down in the reactor. Yeah, sounds about right. So the control rods will not be radioactive. No, 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 no. So, okay. Now, well, radiation is not like electricity where it's going to be conducted someplace. It'd be cool if it was. I suppose technically it could be, but eh, antenna theory, we're not going to go into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it would be fine. In fact, you know, it, it having something heavy on top of the, uh, uh, the control rod in case of an accident so it safes by dropping into the floor would be fine. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, although we can't see what's raising the control rod. Oh, some hydraulic somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I would down. really doubt that you could follow the control rod from the reactor vessel all the way up to the carpet that's on top of that tile. There's <laughs> going to be some break in there where there's going to be hydraulics or something like that. You know, where that uh, because, you know, 60 feet, that's a pretty long run to have being pulled up and down. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like 
there would be a completely different space somewhere down below where you would pull the control rod up exactly. and wouldn't need to yeah. raise the floor in the theater at all. Yeah. Or or maybe that was the only rod they had. I, I'm they very They did small say reactor. there were more than ones. No. Yeah, said true. you could they only pull one up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, and whoa. Walter said, oh, not too many because, you know, we'll okay. cause too much reaction. So if all the control rods are down into the reactor. Right. The reactor is in a quiet state. That means that there is a moderator between the radioactive material and the neutron flux will be at a minimum. When you start so pulling is, the, the moderators out, and probably carbon rods or something like that, yeah. then all of a sudden there's less stuff to moderate it and there's more neutron flux, more heat, more energy is created. So in the workspaces down below, if the nuclear reactor is fully moderated, yeah, is she gonna die? Um, there would be some radioactivity. I mean, you know, a reactor is not something you actually want to like stand next to. If it's, you know, uh, even in a powered down state, there's going to be radioactivity. The, the, the ends of the rods, the fuel is going to be hot. Now, if they actually built a uh, a research area that is kind of naturally hot then they're idiots. <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily that that would be the perfect shirt sleeve environment, but I'm thinking the research lab next to the nuke probably should be shielded so that you can, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah you, you would not want to have all that equipment down there being irradiated for a yeah. number of reasons. You know, health and safety being a big one, but, you know, radiation will fatigue metals. It will cause things to fail. Yeah. And everything in there would be radioactive waste and would have to be decommissioned in a very arduous manner. In 1975, is it a viable option for a corporation in California to have their own nuclear reactor on site? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's quite possible. There are dozens and dozens of, of research reactors around the country. And around the world, there's hundreds in universities you know what many of them are are simply there for a a source of radiation for testing materials or for uh you know irradiating uh, uh, uh medicines uh or um on a larger industrial scale you could have one that would uh, sterilize food so it can be preserved and of course there's other ones that are there to make electricity I, I realize you'd have you'd, you'd you'd have radioactive materials in labs for use yeah. but an mm -hmm. actual reactor with control rods and such it depends on the type of research you're doing yeah okay yeah well um, then that's the the most plausible thing in this episode yeah, <laughs> yeah. oddly yes <laughs> well, there you go. Fact, well, uh, I guess... local big university here uh, had a reactor on campus for quite a long time uh, if you were ever going to the building um, there's this almost like a maze-like passage where you have to go left and right, left and right. And that is to stop uh, radioactive rays from getting out into the room. Are you talking about the glowing building at ASU? Uh, the low-slung glowing building, yeah. Next to the engineering wind tunnel area, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. It was decommissioned, I think, in the early 80s, but yep. Great. Mm-hmm. So after I was going there. <laughs> yeah. Terrific. Exactly. 
<laughs> anyway. Well, it's perfectly safe. <laughs> yeah, perfectly safe. Then why did they shut it down? <laughs> Answer me that question. Huh? It's too expensive to maintain. <laughs> if you don't maintain, it's no longer perfectly safe. They just raise tuition. They just raise well, they're going to do that anyways. Like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> as, Back when as, you went there, wasn't it about $7.50 a credit? Yeah, it was. <laughs> as, as a father with a, an 18-year-old oh, yeah. going to university next year. <laughs> yeah, tr- trust me, tuition's higher. They just yeah, yeah. raising yeah, it. Mine got scholarships. I'm sure oh, yours yeah, will, mine, too. Mine did, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My daughter got all the, all the scholarships, but still. Yeah, Ugh. I know. Oh, man, you got to live and eat? What are these book things oh, you need? Oof. All the scholarships. And Lab skills. fees. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> so, could Dan hang on to the back of that van? Hell no. Exactly. He would have fallen off the first big bump. <laughs> that door handle just would have been ripped out of his hands. Yep. Yep, and he's barefoot on that hot metal bumper. Which yeah, is that, that would big. be the least of his worries, I think. But yeah. yeah. I think by now he must have some pretty good calluses. And I got to tell you, the man's an idiot for keeping turning that doorknob because if it had ever opened... <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> well, we saw what happened when, when they yeah, stopped. Had to get out. driving, yeah. Yeah. And he's going over those... the the bumpy dirt road. And oh, he's yeah, just, he's really I mean, breaking it's, that it's thing up. It's a little, up. what? Four inch bumper, and then he's only got one tiny. I don't even know what they call those type handles, but it's you know, the just a uh, turn like a J turn handle. Yeah, yeah, turn it 90 degrees to the right, and then it unlocks. Unlocks, yeah. yeah. It was, it was unbelievable. I they could have come up with a better back of a van for him, couldn't yeah. they? Yeah, you could have come up with a believable back of a van that that had purchase or or you know put some handles on it or something but i gotta tell you i really thought there for a minute i really thought there for a minute that they were going to go all out bond action on this thing <laughs> and have him jump on the runner of a helicopter and hang on oh that would have been awesome <laughs> <clears throat> i don't understand the chopper's a little bit heavy on the right side yeah <clears throat> And they could have just flown somewhere. And, and, and that would have been the best stunt team saving effort ever. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, just fly a helicopter and, hey, he's hanging on. He could have sneezed once in a while just to... Yeah, exactly. Just, to, just have to <laughs> show a shot there. of the skid. And, uh, yeah, Achoo! you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Was... <laughs> and that was the uh, same helicopter as uh, the Clay family came in on, by the way. <laughs> well, same exact one N30D8 sorry DB so yeah that, that makes gotta uh, save money well it's the same guy hired it right oh yeah probably yeah probably the same yeah, just park goes. over here in these hills and truck will show up and fly off yeah, yeah. we'll fly off with that yeah that was uh... well, this helicopter was used in uh, Quincy Bionic Woman uh, 6 million dollar man and the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth they've got a web page for that of course they, they do. do there is um one thing that's interesting about this is that Dan left fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, fingerprints are not to do with the visibility of your body. That's it right. has to do with the oils that you leave behind. So Dan has oils. Are the oils invisible? Well, they wouldn't really matter in this case because you're not looking well, at the oil. You're looking at the stuff that the oil is uh, uh, holding, the dust. No, 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 no. I, I get that. I get mm-hmm. that. But 
is his sweat invisible? I don't I mean, know. I realize that these things are, are you know, clearish liquids. But I don't know about you, but if I've been outside and I'm sweating and you're exposed <laughs> to dust, you start collecting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've wondered that in a few other episodes. You know, he's and like working, walking through the construction site. And, you know, at least like his lower legs would start to become kind of gray ghosts moving around there. He stepped in pepper in this. And yeah, exactly. There'd enough be of like it to get up to his face. Pepper. He would look like Pepper's ghost. <laughs> ah. No. ah. <laughs> Aren't you the clever one? Oh, boy. That one just came to me, too. Just oh, wow. Out of the clear. Was not, that was not in my notes or planned or anything. Just, <laughs> yeah. Organic humor is the best. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I wonder I wonder about his, his uh, bodily fluids. <laughs> would, would, would he be quiet in a men's room? <laughs> so people like... I hear somebody taking a leak, but uh, I can't see anyone. Well, I would think that once they left Dan's body, they would be visible because he's bled on the floor. True. So Not trickling down his leg. Exactly. So if he was really sweaty and he like shook his head, there would be little droplets of moisture all over the place. <clears throat> Let's see. What else have I got? <clears throat> I love the fact they have cameras everywhere and no recorders. Oh, that's awesome. Boy, what a what a goof up that was. Boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I the dogs mm-hmm. chasing Dan up the flagpole. An amusing scene. I think Mr. Scopes gives up on them a little too soon. The dogs. Right? Oh, you stupid dogs, get him out of here. It's a good idea. Track him down with the dogs. Yep. I would not want to have to climb a flagpole naked. No, I think Dan must have uh, quite a bit of upper body strength. He must. I think he probably works out a lot. He must. Yep. You can you can really see it. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Wow. Going along it's been one of those there. nights. Yeah. Let's see. He was good at fighting in this one, too. Yeah. He could really sling that fire extinguisher. Well, after he got rid of the fire extinguisher, he decked a few guys out cold. Yeah, true. I was like, wow, I'm impressed. Uh, but I think that, that to most people, especially when the, the kidnappers took off with uh, Mrs. Clay, uh, you know, taking a food trolley and shoving it at somebody, how could that knock you out? Because everybody's got glass jaws in this. Or or in the case of a food trolley, a glass uh, thigh? Abdomen? Abdomen, yeah. yeah. Oh, your hips are glass. You just fell right down if that thing hit you. I mean, Julian, I could see him. He's he's soused yeah. anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, he was already you know, drunk. So. If he stands up too quick, he's probably just going to fall right over again. <laughs> um, let's see. The only other thing I have is we have the sequence where uh, Kate is being held in the lab yep. by, by the security guard. And Dan has to keep getting in and out. And so... Kate has to keep distracting him. So first time she goes out and asks for matches and yes. he gives her a book of matches and she, she goes back and then Dan goes, well, then I, have to, I have to go out again. So then she goes out again and she asks for a cigarette. And I know that's supposed to be a comedy scene that she's asking for them in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. Isn't that funny? But he gave her a book of matches. She could have returned the book of matches. True. True. <laughs> it's like, 
You'll have to come up with another excuse. Oh, I'll come up with something. It's like, just give him back his matches? Uh, I think that, that goes hand in hand with the uh, exorbitant tips they give. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the next episode, though. <laughs> that is the next episode. And then my last, my last comment on this particular episode is, at the end, when mm-hmm. Morgan is captured, um, and of course... They have that sequence where he's already written out the obituary, which is the dumbest thing ever. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've written her obituary and I've got it carried here in my pocket, even though she's not dead yet. But I like, you know, because I like to be prepared. It's like, yeah, uh, he's, he's so prepared. He has the uh, paperwork for his brother to sign that sees why his Why can't he wait till the next day? I know. It's like, uh, wait till she's literally really, dead. You, you have that in your pocket. It. Wow. Wait, were you expecting there's something there, dear brother? Hmm. It, it's yeah it, it it really is not well <laughs> well constructed in that respect but but at the end they say what will happen to morgan well i guess he'll be committed yeah committed what? really i mean do they is that like the easiest way of getting somebody's control in a company just have him declared insane incompetent and they take it from him i i don't know but i mean i would think mm, perhaps that arranging for a kidnapping yeah and attempted murder might get you i don't know like prison or something exactly even for a rich white guy yeah well maybe it's really special for the clays it could be it could be anyway i don't have anything else on this episode i mean it was it was had some fun moments in it but that nuclear reactor in the theater oh yeah uh, (laughs) And, and also remember the doors are not locked except for the one that actually goes into the uh, the workspace they just yeah stroll right on down there no security Oh, boy. And apparently no security on there anyways, or maybe the caterers knocked them out. I don't know. Well, remember, Scopes is in charge, so he can... Oh, true. He just diverted somewhere. them, yeah. Yeah. You're out on the search for Weston. Exactly. Something. Yeah. yeah. Grab these dogs. <laughs> yes. The guy, the guy with the dogs, the police dogs. Mm-hmm. I love this era of television. <laughs> I love this era of television where you get a cop right but he's really an actor i love this when you see it in the military too there is no way in hell he would be allowed to have that porn stash and that haircut on the police force unless he was like an undercover drug cop right but actors of course mm-hmm. so they just it's like uh but he didn't have shoulder length hair i mean he had a bit of a fro and and that that huge mustache oh yeah but he's just like i'm not convinced that guy's you know if I were looking at this, I'd say he's the criminal pretending to be a cop at that point. All right. You got anything else on this one? Nope. Not really, no. All right. Well, then let's turn our attention to our second episode, uh, Sight Unseen. Mr. Kappas, a former mobster, is going to turn state's evidence. If only someone hadn't kidnapped his blind daughter and is holding her to ensure that Kappas will not testify... The FBI turned to the clay resource for help. Kate Weston is able to coax the labored sound of breathing from the kidnapper's tape. Kappas identifies that as the breathing of Mr. Hallman, the right-hand man of mobster James James, a character that proves that every writer someday will eventually run out of character names. James (laughs) owns a semi-legit trucking company in Florida, So Dan and Kate travel there to find out if that's where the girl is being held. 
With a few blisters on his feet, Dan gets in and finds the girl. Being blind, she knows he's there and cannot understand how the bad guys keep missing him. His excursions have triggered a few alarms and now James is nervous and decides to move the girl out in the next hour. Dan's original mission was simply to find out if the girl was there, but now he must find a way to get her out before it is too late. Kappas, having also learned that James is behind the kidnapping, travels to Florida and takes Kate prisoner, and then storms the James James Trucking Company. The FBI and the police, realizing that Kate has been taken, also raid the place. In a final confrontation in James' office, Dan flicks the gun from James's hand, and Kate takes them all prisoner. With the girl rescued, Kappas agrees once again to turn state's evidence. One wonders if he'll be granted immunity from prosecution for kidnapping Kate. The end. Wow, just this is this one's really just mobsters. Yeah. Again, a few moments that were fun in this episode, but but really just uh just have I, I was I was again I was talking with Simon the other day and I was because we were we were discussing bugs and some problematic issues with that show and I was saying yeah you know man from uh, not man from Atlantis uh, Invisible Man is just is just not science fiction and he just and he just he's talking to me at the time and he says you mean apart from the fact that it has an invisible man in it okay yeah 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 go past that bit <laughs> and there's nothing left. That's it, it. it. That's it. You, you, have, you have left it all behind. And here it is. The kidnapped mob boss daughter. What was her name? Jenny? Did she have a name? Yes. I'm I sure honestly, she at the yes. end of it, think they kept referring to her as his daughter. <laughs> possible. But but maybe maybe she did, and I managed to blank it. <laughs> um, but I was having enough trouble with the names in this one as it was. Hallman? wells james james <laughs> griggs griggs yeah it was manny it, it just that was that was hallman manny hallman oh, right, just, right right <laughs> just, he always sounded like he was gonna about to have a heart attack man yes i, I can see why they uh they thought yeah we can use that uh uh the uh the 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 breathing on the audio tape to identify this guy Okay, let's let's turn. First off, let's turn. Ask the first question. They show up, kidnap the girl poolside, right? Right. And then they leave with her. When Coppas and the cops arrive later, mm-hmm. they have left a tape recorder yes. with a message recorded, obviously indoors somewhere, from the daughter. How did they get the tape there? Uh, maybe they just you know went over to the little. Uh... The, cabana the or something hut. yeah the, the cabana and recorded it there and just dropped it on them and then left it behind yeah. okay uh i suppose um <laughs> so, and so when did kate become the whiz with audio um in the one where um she's uh, the earlier episode where um they suspected the guy was dead and they were just using bits and pieces of audio recordings of his voice to make him talk uh, I thought Kate was the one who was uh, working on that one. I guess. Maybe so. I, I thought it was interesting that the FBI couldn't make anything of it. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And they then, don't have anybody working like, on audio. Well, you don't, have, you don't have Dr. Weston and our $2 million lab. Whoa, $2 million. Is that just a $2 million audio lab? Or is that the secret invisibility lab? I think that's just the audio lab. Wow. 
Okay. So so Kate teases this heavy breathing out. Right. And she gets the guys in. She says, well, I've, I've done this, and I've isolated the sounds, and I've done this thing. Listen to this. <laughs> so I can't make anything. Well, how about if I do it like this? Yeah. What? <laughs> like, what? Like, why, what did why that did you serve play? in the the story? Why? <laughs> why did you play that meaningless noise that no one would get and save it for the the labored breathing afterwards? Maybe yeah, uh, was... maybe it was to show that it was really difficult. Yeah, this is what it actually sounded like, and having changed it around, it now sounds like breathing. Yeah. Huh. It it. So, are you saying that that's not what's actually on the tape then? Yeah, it could be. Sounds like EVP to me, but what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) I'll let the listeners figure out what that is. Yeah, you look that one up, yeah. (laughs) If you don't know what EVP is, look it up. (laughs) There's a scene when uh, Walter is in the office after the FBI have left, and he's talking to Dan and Kate, and he says to them, you heard... You know, this is a dangerous assignment. And Dan's like, I didn't hear him say it was a dangerous assignment. It was in his eyes. Right? <laughs> right? You remember that scene? Walter's scared of mobsters. Y- yeah. Y- you remember that scene, though? Yeah. Did you notice anything weird about that scene? Uh, was it that was green that... screen. Oh, really? And Dan was holding his hand weirdly in his pocket. Huh. The whole time. Just sitting there. With... And, it was, and it was a green screen shot. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously... His hand is invisible, and he's about to pull it out and play a joke, and it never happens. Interesting. I wonder if that might have been a, a scene that wasn't, you know, was edited out, which yeah. is, I think like, is Oh, very I lost unusual. my glove again, doggone it. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's very unusual for these shows to actually have wasted uh, shots, but... Yeah. Huh. So it was kind of weird. I didn't I notice that. Was, that. It, you know how that look, it's got that look. It, it, yeah. Maybe it's not. But it sure it sure screamed at me as I was watching. I'm like, hmm. whoa, okay, he's about to go invisible. And oh, yeah, yeah, I notice he's standing there unnaturally with one hand hidden in his pocket. Like like he did in that episode where he was missing his glove. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Barnard wants out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sadly, I have, sadly, I have committed them to memory. That is not, not good. You'll forget soon. I, I plan on it. They go to Florida and they set up that really fun computer. Oh, yeah. The mobile computer com- connection. Ooh. Wow. That was, I loved the little, the cursor going across and then all the way back before it wrote the next line of text. That yeah. was very typewriterish. Yeah. Takes me back to never a terminal I've ever seen except a paper one. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Why, when I was going to the university across from the nuclear lab and we had, I hate to say it, deck writers. But oh, uh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> and that was simulating that quite, quite nicely. Um, <laughs> I tried I, to uh, figure out what type of uh, terminals they were, but I couldn't find any information. Do you think that was it. a real computer printout or whether that was a just an animation or... Oh, no, that was laid over the top of it. Uh, when they were looking at some of the plans... In the upper mm-hmm. left-hand corner, you could see the cursor blinking there. So all they did is they they keyed over black mm. for it. Okay. Yep. Was I, I was going to say, wow, this is great. You've got the blueprints on the computer screen. That may be the earliest instance I've seen in a TV show 
of them that. nailing nailing how that would work in the future. <laughs> kind of. I can't think of any show older. I guess I no. guess they kind of do that on Star Trek. Yeah, yeah I Star suppose. Trek. Yeah. But, but when he goes, wow, that's that's kind of neat. You got the points. It's like, well, we just got them from the planning office and uh, cinema. That's like, yeah, like they're scanned at the planning office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I GIS think we're missing really that part of the, the equation here that uh, they did. <laughs> it's like, so, so uh, why, first off, why, uh, could they have just had somebody bring over the prince? But, but okay. <laughs> Wouldn't have been as cool. Okay. All right. There we go. Wouldn't be the sci-fi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was the sci-fi moment in this episode. Yep. Um, why did Dan go in there as a visible man? I'm not sure. I think he went in there to see if he could spot the daughter. I mean, yes, he recognized, he, he heard Manny. Yeah. And yes, they brought in Wells and he'd been briefed on who they were. So, you know, he's able to tell that manny and wells are there so i mean yeah okay fine but uh, an actual trained agent could have done that Mm -hmm. right and then he goes back and i gotta say i gotta say i was just out at my pool about two hours ago um and it's still oh well over 100 degrees fahrenheit here right now yep and it's 9 30 at night Mm -hmm. um And I have cool deck around my pool, but there is 16 feet of sidewalk <laughs> between my front or my back door mm. and the, the cool deck. And I can assure you, it is physically impossible for a barefoot person to walk that. It is worse than walking on coals, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is absolutely uh, I I had to go out and do that a, a week or two ago when it wasn't as hot and I I forgot what happened it was an explosion or something and I I ran out barefoot to see what the heck it was and I got about 15 16 foot down my front sidewalk and I realized that that was a stupid stupid mistake yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm hopping up and down on my feet and ran back as fast as I could. And I was, I, I had blisters. I got blisters from oh, it. I, I was hurting for days. The ground is probably that. well over 150 degrees. Yeah. And so uh, Toasty. when Dan gets out and he's walking down the sidewalk and he goes, well, this sidewalk is hot. I'm like, you ain't kidding, brother. And I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I know, and you're in Florida, so it's not as hot as here, but still. Oh, it's that humidity. Ooh. So you, you, so, but here's the part that gets me about this scene. I mean, I love it. It's great. You recognize the reality of the situation. The naked mm-hmm. man is walking on a hot sidewalk, which would be true in California too, right? Uh, unless it's you know dead of winter or something, but it would be true in California too. And he can't. He could not do it for extended periods of time. But when he goes. To the vent at the back of the facility. Mm-hmm. And he walks up to that. Did you notice what he was walking on there? It was gravel, wasn't it? I think it was that gravelly asphalt stuff. Ooh, ouch. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. That would be that would be far, far worse than a sidewalk. Because Man. not only would it be 
just as hot as a sidewalk, but you're walking on rocks. <laughs> I mean, not a, not a word of complaint from him there. And why did he have to sneak in? I'm not sure. Couldn't he go through the front door? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a lot of security there and usually large amount of security for a trucking firm and a very large building that, you know, obviously a lot of warehouse space. Yeah, but a lot of interior spaces. I'm pretty sure that that was a self-storage, wasn't it? That facility. Maybe. I'm not sure. It felt like Still, it. Those really narrow hallways. and. But, well, the, uh, the narrow hallways, that looked like those were, uh, uh, what do they call them? Oh, you know, there's uh, the the uh, the maintenance corridors of a building. They go between the outside wall and the inside wall where the offices would be. And you would run your mechanical stuff and pipes and stuff in that area. Could be, but those the metal wall on one side and the cement on the other was kind of... Yeah, I don't know. I don't... Storage. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a self-storage place they were shooting at. I'm not Certainly sure what not that on was. on the outside, but yeah. Let's see. What do we have? Of course, you're going to have that cliche when you have a blind person because she's got superpowers. She can hear Dan. Oh, yeah. She yeah. knows he's around. Yep. Heightened senses. Heightened mm-hmm. senses of, of superpowers. And um, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not happy with the, let me, let me see you. <laughs> rub face, rub face. Oh, you have a wonderful face. I trust you. Uh-huh. Yeah, very naive. You know, I have seen David McCallum in shows where he played the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Would he still have a wonderful face then? Well, she would think so, and she would be wrong. See? So, what does she think of her dad's face? I, I don't know. I mean, or... I can see James James and Manny Hallman. Those, they hired two of the ugliest actors they could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like cartoon characters almost. Man. And the they did their hair, hair to make them even worse. <laughs> Man. Right? And uh, so there's that. And then Kappas himself is, is a, he's kind of a dapper guy. You've seen the actor. I don't have his name oh, off the top yeah, of Yeah, he's been a scientist in so many B-movies. Right, right. You've yeah. seen him so many times. But he's yeah. kind of a nasty looking dapper guy right i mean you definitely put him mm-hmm. over as he, he mobster yeah i can buy that totally so what does she think of his face you know well there you go maybe actually dan has a very sinister face i'm not sure <laughs> yeah it, it's a good thing he's invisible i just i just really want to know if dan has has shaved his hair off i would think so i i sure would in in his circumstance, yeah, or at you least know? you know really short. Yeah, but it down, would be. Down. Wow, doing that first couple of times would be. It's like, am I going to lose an ear? I'm not sure. I'm sure Kate can handle it. No, she could get this girl to do it from now on. Oh, good point. Yeah. Well, no, no a blind barber. He'd <clears throat> have to have a blind barber. All you have to do is. Uh, uh, I, no, I think that's a blind masseuse. I don't know about a blind barber. It's you like, could just I'm sure uh, they have them in Cambodia. Dust Dan down with talcum powder. There you go. Yeah, I'm a- sure another... they figured out all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I'm sure if this show ran long enough, he would have to go through a cloud of talcum powder, and then yes. oh yeah, <laughs> and that would blow the entire effects budget for the entire season. Would that work? It, it, so if he's wearing a blue suit, and it would look really it weird down? because you'd see you wouldn't see the inside of him, you know, right? So it, 
Right, you wouldn't so, see yeah, it. So, yeah, would look kind of odd, but, yeah, he would... It, the keying would look Fuzzy. bad. I'm thinking you'd get some blue spill. Well, there would be... It wouldn't be a fine dusting. It'd be, like, patches, just kind of big blotchy patches that changed a lot as he walked mm. around. I'm sure we've seen this before in other series like, where... Like the Zarn. Uh, yeah. In Land of the Lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or... um. Oh shoot! In Doctor Who episode where the the aliens before they uh, reveal themselves just look like uh, strips of uh, mylar being waved around. Oh, that around. is the invasion of time. Time, there and we that go. That is yeah. the Vardens. Yeah, there, those guys. Yeah. Yep. Travel along any wavelength of electricity. Of, of there you any go. Wavelength. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. You are going to remember the titles of this forever, aren't you? <laughs> Sad but <laughs> it's like true. Like a curse. <laughs> It is. It is a curse. Sometimes. I'm going to forget it next week. <laughs> uh, that long, huh? <laughs> well, if I'm lucky. But, uh, <laughs> um, so dance tripping alarms all over the place. I thought that was, that was kind of a funny sequence, but one of those was supposed to be infrared. I know. That was like, okay, so you do uh, infrared, huh? Except that it seemed to be tripped when he opened the door. Yeah, As if I it think, were a door alarm. Yeah, that would make sense if it was infrared like heat as opposed to the lower frequency of, or, or yeah, the other frequency where, where it would be like emitting uh, infrared light, like a, a was it a passive infrared uh, system like you'd have in regular security stuff these days. Mm. Yeah, he didn't. He really didn't have a whole hell of a lot of. Oh, okay. You, no, I oh, I didn't write this down. I didn't write this down. Weird direction. So Dan walks up to a door. Now we're seeing it from his point of view. Right, very shaky. Dan's got to Dan's got to get through that door. So what does he do? Do you remember? Oh, I think he knocks on it, doesn't he? Well, the first door he comes to, he looks at the hinges, and then his eye line follows up the door jam to the top, across the top, down. Then he sees the doorknob, and he goes, "Oh." And he tries the doorknob, and he goes through the door. Uh, I don't know why. Wasn't wasn't that a, that was a weird scene? And and I could have almost forgiven it, except for Dan goes into the tool room. Mm-hmm. Dan looks at the neatly painted tool board pegboard, right, with all the tools, with the bolt cutters in front and center, right in his line of eyesight. Yep. He then rummages around several other tools screwdrivers uh, things looks around here and then he goes oh bolt cutters this is what i need to cut cut her free yeah from the thing it's like they they wanted to show us that he was there doing stuff Mm -hmm. and it just you just wouldn't do that you just walk up and take the bolt cutters and grab the screwdriver and go but it's poor direction it, it was it was poor direction, and the other piece that that followed right on with that poor direction is Dan gets back into the room with his floating tools, tools, um, which to be fair he used the the thing to knock the guy out. Yeah, yeah, bolt cutters, bolt cutters, and he then goes in and uh, the girl, let's call her Jenny, in case that sure. really is her name, Kappa's daughter, mm-hmm. <laughs> she is in a chair. And she has been chained with a, a little tiny chain to oh, a handcuff anklet, yep. which is 
around her ankle. Right. To which Dan then takes the bolt cutters to release her. And what does he cut? <laughs> he cuts the bracelet, not the chain. Yes, the flat metal. And I have actually tried cutting flat metal with bolt cutters, and I had no luck. I dented it. Also, I annoyed the metal. And then thought, you know, there's probably a better tool for this. And probably her leg, too. Because mm. normally, if you want to cut something properly with cutters, you need to not have the edge. You have to get it over it, not oh, yeah, just yeah. to but the edge they, of it. It so. looked like there was quite a bit of play in that. It wasn't tight. So, uh, yeah, but the fact that he could have just take, snipped the little chain and she'd have still had the cuffs on her. But, yeah, they could have oh, gotten that off. Darn. Maybe. Yeah, Later. Ooh, would it made noise? I don't know. Probably not. So yeah, that was yeah, kind of that weird. Was, that, that, that was that was kind of weird. So why did Kappas take Kate prisoner? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it gets her it gets her to the scene of the crime. Yeah, I think that's the only reason. So she could be there on site. I, I don't know if he was trying to use her as a, a weapon against Weston, but... Maybe not knowing what Weston was doing, why would yeah, he that's need a weapon yeah. against Weston? Yeah, probably just took him took her along in case you know Weston was like going to do a daring raid, and he could say, "Okay, you know, put your guns down, or I'll shoot your wife." And then so maybe that's in the mafia uh, handbook. Oh, okay, fair enough. And why did the cops wait so long to raid the place? Uh, I mean, if if they couldn't, they have just raided the place. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been much earlier in this episode? Dan comes out of the place. He says, yeah, Wells is there. Uh, so-and-so's there. Uh, you know, the girl's probably there. Couldn't the cops just raided it? I suppose. I mean, Wells, but... is, Wells is, you know, is a cop that's wanted for a crime. And so's Hallman. They're suspects in a criminal raid. Mm-hmm. So it, how is it different? If they went when they did, not knowing that Kate had already taken them all prisoner, wouldn't the outcome have been the same as if they'd shown up? See what I mean? It's like, I don't see, because they thought Kate was in danger, Walter calls the cops to go in. But wouldn't that have ended up with the same bad result if they'd gone in earlier? It, it just it just didn't make, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm not um, sure why. At the end, she detects that Dan's face has changed. Yes. Oh, good. When she's rubbing his mask. class isn't that great, then great. Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows it right away. It's like, hey, your face has changed. Uh, I, I, I aged. I, I, I yes, aged exactly. In the, just in the last few minutes, yeah. I don't know that. I, oh, I do have one other thing, and then I have hmm. nothing else on this episode. I thought that the director did a pretty good job up until the very last scene of making the shots plausibly Florida. <laughs> right i was actually paying attention mm-hmm. they were they were showing shots that didn't have the california hills in the background yeah right. or they were along the water which you right. know looks about the same in exactly. florida but in that last shot the california hills right were and, behind Dan's and also head. they all the cars had florida plates oh yeah even the miami police department is a yep buzz by well that's the one thing hollywood does right i it's um have you ever noticed this about british tv shows uh they're apparently generally not allowed to change plates oh really so it doesn't matter it 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 doesn't matter what you see they're they're gonna have real even the who mobile 
right, actually has real plates that aren't. But if you get into a close-up, they have who won or something like that hmm. on it. Interesting. And I guess, you know, oh, you're filming something? No, we can't allow that vehicle on the road huh. with fake plates. Not not happening. You can't do it. But in California, they have no such compunction because that is the one thing Hollywood does well. They must have a collection <laughs> of plates from every state. Yeah. Because it's Sometimes the one thing you'll they'll see. do is they'll swap them out. Occasionally you'll spot a plate that, you know, it's like, oh, well, they're in New York. Well, the license plate doesn't say New York. But, yeah, it, it is pretty rare. I did, however, see a Ralph's produce truck in the background. Which far as I know, there's, there's no Ralph's in Florida. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a California. Yeah, a grocery store chain for anybody who doesn't have any idea what I just said. Let's see. Oh, yet again, uh, another uh, production uh, some production footage, uh, early production footage of a 747. I think that's the only airplane that flies. Because <laughs> they always take 747s. We've got that, we've got that footage. And I, I, <laughs> I think I read that the last 747 production line shut down. Yep. Yep. It was just uh, this week or last week or very, yep. very recently. Um, so end of an era. Yeah, they'll spare, spare parts for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're still crammed in like cattle car now, though. Um, they're very expensive to fly. <laughs> and and very expensive to take on a plane, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got nothing else. That's it. On this exciting episode. So we have got just two more mm -hmm. episodes of The Invisible Man, and I don't know what they are. But it's they will be the last two. Power play in an attempt to save face. Ooh, Dan's lost his mask. Ooh, I can only hope. <laughs> I wonder if that. I wonder if that's it. I wonder if that's it. If it's such an obvious, an obvious name. All right. I won't say. John, <laughs> thank you for joining me. You're welcome, <laughs> listeners. I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time on Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Bugs episode, All Under Control. Come join the conversation.